couple of the things that are often in the bulletin that I don't want you to miss. And just so you know, Dottie's not upset. She's going and checking on the apple pie, which you'll know when it's starting to get ready because I'll start talking faster. Um, now, a couple things that are, that are always in the bulletin, and, and one is when there's room upcoming events. So I want you to just pay attention to that and know that, that we have certain things that, that are regular occurrences, and that is first and third Sundays we have our Bible study. We're currently studying the book of Acts. Um, on every Wednesday night, online on Zoom, uh, we're, we're going through the chronological life of, of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a little slow and a lot remedial, and that's good because we should know the story of Jesus. But it's a, it's a good study, and we're having good conversations. And every now and then there's a, a little nugget of something new that maybe we haven't picked up. And everybody's welcome to participate in these. Uh, of course, on the fourth Sundays, we have our, our potluck, which would be next, uh, next Sunday. Um, and then, of course, any announcements. But also on the back, I like to, to include a, a benediction. And, and it's typical in a lot of, of um, churches that the, the pastor concludes the service with a benediction. That's on there. But one of the things that we do differently is we do our circle of, of friendship, we call it. That's, we kind of sing a benediction to each other. And then the lines below is just a place for you to write your, your notes, whether it's a sermon note or the prayers. I write the prayer requests on there. Um, I put them in my backpack. And just to prove it, here's, here's last week's next to my backpack. Because it's, I want to remember during the week, not only if so-and-so was having a procedure on Wednesday to remember to pray for them, but I want to remember. Because I told you that I'd be praying for you, and I want to keep my word. And that's something that we should really pride ourselves on, is when someone takes the time to say, will you pray for me? We really want to do that. And that doesn't just end it, 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 on Sunday morning. So keep that in mind. I just kind of want to remind you of those things. Um, and I'm working on getting some nice little journals that maybe you can put that kind of notes in or use it for something else. But uh, anyway, this, this morning's message, are you ready for suddenly? Now, you know the story from Luke 2, 7 through 14. It says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in clothes or cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying in the fields and watching over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly angels singing praises to God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. We often read that at Christmas and maybe not often enough in between, but maybe you also know the words of Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, Right? So the prophet Isaiah, the Jews of the time knew this prophecy. They knew this, the story of Isaiah. Now, we don't know what faith the shepherds had before the encounter, the presence of the angels, nor do we know if they were familiar with the prophecy about the coming Messiah. If they were, then, then why were they surprised or, or scripture describes them terribly frightened? I suggest whether they were anticipating or even just aware of what was coming, they were shocked that now, was the time. They weren't prepared for the moment they were suddenly in. 
So how can we have the excitement and enthusiasm of the shepherds, but without their doubts and fears? How can we live a life in God's presence under the authority of God to the honor and glory of God? This is the concept we discussed last week. How can we live our life that way, continuing to anticipate the presence of the promises of God and then be surprised or caught off guard when we finally experience it? Isn't that what we're looking forward to? And that's the focus of this week's message. We know that the Bible is, among other things, a guidebook for our lives. It makes sense that we look at some of the times that something unexpected happened so that we can learn what we can expect to happen. So I want to set the stage for this first story. This involves Moses, and he was assisted by Aaron. And they were leading the Israelites out of Egypt, familiar story, and through the wilderness and to, at some unknown point in the future, the promised land. And this story is found in number 16 of the Old Testament. Now, three men, Korah, Dathan, and Aram, along with 250 Israelite men who the Bible describes as well-known leaders in the community who had been appointed members of the council. So these were respected men. These men became insolent and rose up against Moses and Aaron. As I read it, they'd become jealous and maybe even a self-righteous. You know, Moses was the the, the prophet, the one talking to God, and these guys were appointed and and faithful. So why, you know, why, why this disparity? When they were seeking additional glory for themselves beyond the blessing they received as God's people, right? They were all rescued from Egypt. They were all God's chosen people. And they were also appointed leaders of the community, but that wasn't quite enough. So I'm gonna join the story at Numbers 1642. It says, but when the assembly, these 253 men, gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, this is where they, you know, this is where they went, suddenly the cloud covered it And the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting. And the Lord said to Moses, get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it. Okay, this is how they bring their offerings. Along with burning coals from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. About 14,700 people died from the plague, in addition to those who died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting, for the plague had stopped. A couple things. Okay? The presence of God suddenly came down. Now, this is wrathful God. This is not a different God than our God. But you remember, the God of the Old Testament, there's, that wasn't that atonement for sin that we have the benefit of through Jesus Christ. But one thing that's really interesting here, Aaron made an atonement for their sin. Okay? This is a precursor to, to what Jesus did, making an atonement for our sins and stopping the afflictions of us. But the thing is, God's presence suddenly came down on this tent. The Old Testament books of the Bible include the words of several prophets. And we've already heard one of Isaiah's prophecies about the coming of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Malachi was another prophet who shared the words of the Lord. And I, I so often, because my kids called him Malachi, I almost always want to say Malachi. And I know one of these days I'm going to slip and actually say that. But, but from Malachi 3... God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. 
but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Now we're familiar with this part. For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. We know from our studies that it's a ridiculously high temperature that these things are precious metals are brought up to because it literally burns off the impurities. And it takes constant tending by the metalsmith, right? So the Lord is going to come and he's going to raise the heat and burn off the bad, uncomfortable stuff, but he's going to be there tending to us. And it says, then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I'll be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Okay? Again, it is the presence of the Lord that will come suddenly, unexpectedly. And his purpose is to refine us, right, with heat, and to put the people of the world on trial. Malachi has warned you, or, or, maybe, or, you, or maybe you may be surprised when this happens, but will you be caught off guard? Or will you find peace because you have decided in advance that you will live a good life? And I don't mean the kind of good as the world calls it, but the kind of good defined by God himself. So that when the heat of the refiner's fire is applied to you, you won't be burned. So that you have nothing to fear when you are tried for the way you are living your life. Mark 9, Matthew 17, and Luke 9 all record the story of the transfiguration. This is the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit on the, on the disciples that remained after Jesus had left. And I'm going to pick up here. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain. I'm sorry, this was not before he was crucified. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone, where he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And suddenly, suddenly, there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Here's that word again. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matters to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands when the disciples understand what he was talking about to them about was John the Baptist. And another familiar story found in Luke 24 and Matthew 28. This is the story of the tomb. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared one to the tomb of Jesus. And they found the stone rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were there wondering us, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like white light or like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you 
while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And they remembered his words. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. He says, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There will they will see me. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering himself what had happened. Are you starting to see a theme? The presence of God appears suddenly, without immediate warning. In each of these cases, the people were surprised, maybe even scared, often scared. But then they remembered the promise that was being fulfilled. God says he will be with you always. So why are you surprised when he shows up like he said he would? God was going to send his son. So why were they surprised when the angels came and said it's happening? And Jesus was going to be crucified and buried and rise on the third day. So why were they looking in the tomb for him? This morning, we began a new in-person Bible study in discussion around the book of Acts. And Acts was written by Peter, the rock on which Jesus built his church. And it is often considered a continuation of his gospel. And in the book of Acts, we find the disciples uh, in Galilee, per the instructions of the risen Lord, where something, what, suddenly happened. <laughs> Next one, Peter writes at Theophilus, and we talked about that this morning. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself and gave many proof, convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them his command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with Holy Spirit. We dove into this a little deeper this morning. It says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back to you in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now I want to point out something. He says he went up suddenly, right? He went up suddenly into the sky. Now this is a little bit of more of a ground exit than how he came to the earth, which was very humble and quiet and, and as a child. But they say the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way, Okay. He may come back the second time very suddenly. For Max 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, the presence of the Lord. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit. 
to this point, we've looked at the sudden presence of God to Moses, the prophets, Jesus and his followers, with the fulfillment of the prophecies about Jesus. Was, was God done working in this way? Now that this prophecy had been fulfilled, was, was his presence no longer needed? Was it no longer suddenly going to appear? Absolutely not. The majority of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul, who was born under the name Saul, didn't start out in life as a follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings. In fact, he persecuted Christians and was well known for the heinous manner in which he did it. But again, it's in Acts 9 we find Saul's conversion. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, the disciples were scared. If you remember, they, the man that they loved, they followed and, and they voted their life to, he was suddenly gone, okay? Killed, right? Um, now, now, they knew he was resurrected, but you know, they were also had targets on their back. So they were scared. Anyway, he went to the high priest and asked, this is Paul, and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, Paul was going to seek out and arrest Jesus's followers, men or women. And as Paul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you prosecute, persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now what's interesting is the story goes on and, and Paul goes to the city as he's told and a man named Ananias who had received a vision that a man by the name of Paul was gonna be coming and Paul was blinded, okay? His, his, his vision had been taken away from him suddenly. And, and, and Ananias is, is pleading with God. He's like, I've heard of this guy. I don't want anything to do with him. I mean, this is, this is a bad guy, and I, I'm a good guy. I love you, and I love Jesus. And, and he did what he said, and that restored Paul's sight. And Paul became a believer because of this. Now, last week, we talked about living out the big idea of Christian life, that that is to live a life in the presence of God. And yet, Scripture is full of stories of people suddenly encountering the presence of God and being surprised, frightened, even, even doubtful. Friends, God has made many promises to you, one of which is that Jesus will return at some point and take those who know him. The day and hour unknown. As Scripture says, about the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father so Jesus warns, he says, be on guard, be alert and pray. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when you rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him catch you sleeping what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Another translation says in this place, it says, be ready, be ready. There's a posture, an active posture. And, and it's been a couple years ago now, but I, I showed some slides of these active postures. And one I always thought of, Abby was playing softball then. And the outfielders, when they were ready, they had their glove down, they were crouched down. I won't do it because I can't get up. Um, but they, they would bend over and that was our active posture. They were ready. They didn't know the ball was going to come, but they were ready if it was, okay? There are active postures in yoga that, that I will not also not do. You're welcome. And, and it's an active posture where although you're standing there, you're actively engaged 
All your muscles are locked in and you are ready. That's what Jesus is saying when he's saying, be ready. He's saying, I don't even know when it's going to happen, but it'll happen suddenly. Be ready. Church, since it is promised that we will not know the time when this will happen and it will seem to be suddenly, we need to be ready for suddenly. Now, if you don't know what that means, what's going to happen next, what's coming, if you're uncertain about what your future looks like, whether it's after your time on earth has passed or if Jesus comes while we're spending our time on earth, let's talk, okay? The answer is in the Bible, and I would love to connect you to it so you can read and, and hear the promises for yourself. And if you're not sure what being ready looks like, God has given you, not only has he given you, he's equipped you with everything you need to fulfill your specific purpose in this life. Yes, our greater purpose is, is to live a life in his presence to his honor and glory, absolutely. But whether you're called to, to be a missionary or you're called to be a school teacher or you're called to be, whatever your calling may be, he has equipped you to do that in a way that honors and glorifies him. And if you're not finding that, that peace, that fulfillment, maybe you're not doing that thing. Or maybe you're not doing that thing the way that, that he has designed for you. And I, I love this reference, this, this thought of this God-shaped hole in your life, okay? This, this thing that's created within you that only he can fill. You can fill it with stuff and it'll take up the space. But that exact space, that exact size is designed for him. If you're wondering what that is, let's talk. Let's talk. I want you to be ready. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son who gave us peace, who gave us hope so that we know that through him we have a life, an eternal life in heaven with you. Lord, we live in your presence here on earth, but we get to celebrate your presence in person someday. God, you've given each one of us a special purpose, a purpose that we know that we want to fulfill. We just don't always know what it is. So help us to turn to you and ask you, that our creator, what is it you designed me to do? Father God, as we are often so surprised by what suddenly happens, you know, and it, it, it's not always bad things. You know, sometimes we're suddenly a call away from getting the worst news of our lives, but sometimes we're suddenly a, a moment away or a phone call away from the best news we could imagine. Lord, so many of the blessings in our lives come upon us suddenly, but Lord, we should never be surprised. You've given us a list, a printed book of your promises of how much you love us and what you want to do for us. So we may not expect it at the moment, but we should not be surprised when you express your love and your kindness to us through blessings, through provisions, through opportunities to, to enjoy this life and this creation, to love and serve others. God, is that we thank you for. Lord, would you please place on our heart this week something you'd have us do as we seek your presence to be more like you and to be more prepared for what you'd have us do. In your name we pray, amen.